and spread their coats on the road, they shouted, Hosanna! From Matthew 21, verses 9 and 11, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! So the multitude said, This is Jesus!
singing is such a great way to praise the Lord. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. A long, long time ago, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, gave Joseph and his brethren the land of Goshen as an inheritance. Eventually, this Pharaoh died. 500 years passed, and our story begins again in the reign of another king of Egypt. This new Pharaoh chose not to befriend Joseph's descendants. Uh, why do these, these Hebrews possess Goshen? It's part of our best and most productive land. Well, well, answer me. You're wise men and magicians, my chief counselors, aren't you? Your Majesty, Goshen was given to Joseph and his descendants because of the service he rendered to Egypt during the Great Famine. Ah, oh, that was years ago. I'm king now. I don't owe Joseph or his descendants anything. They irk me. Get rid of them. They're a spirited, hard-working people, Your Majesty. And there are more of them than there are of us Egyptians. Yes, that's my point exactly. There's so many of them that were they to join up with an enemy, they would overthrow us. I'll order my general to kick them out immediately. But, Your Majesty, the Hebrews are a useful people and they... Uh, 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 useful? Uh, they're excellent craftsmen and skilled workmen. Oh, yeah. I say make slaves of them. Slaves? Oh. Ah, your plan has some merit, Counselor. And if we treat them rough enough, a few hundred will die now and then from overwork <laughs> and decrease their numbers. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Perhaps His Majesty will permit me... Uh, to have uh, charge of these uh, slaves? Uh, uh, now, just how will you accomplish this? Uh, uh, this uh, Well, how will you go about transforming the Hebrews into slaves? Mm -hmm. I'll appoint overseers, authorize the free use of uh, whips. Ah, ah, excellent, excellent. Permission granted. Uh, you will begin immediately. Hmm? <laughs> At once, Your Majesty. <laughs> <laughs> How is my chief counselor progressing in making slaves of the Hebrews? The thing is done, accomplished, Your ah. Majesty. They are bowed low with hard labor in mortar and brick and all manner of service in the field. <laughs> the treasure cities of Python and Ramesses are beginning to shape up, Your Majesty. Yes, yes, so I understand. But I'm more interested in the Hebrew slaves. Yes, Your Majesty. You, you sound unhappy, dejected. Uh, they haven't revolted, have they? Uh, no, Your Majesty. Uh. It's just that they, uh, the more I punish them, the harder I afflict and oppress them, the more they seem to multiply and grow. Oh. Well, make them work harder. Beat them within an inch of their lives. Oh, yes, Your Majesty. Yes, Counselor. The the Hebrews continue to multiply in number, Your Majesty. Uh, you beat them? Work mm -hmm. them hard? Yes, Your Majesty, uh. but it doesn't seem to do any good. Well, well, you're in charge. Think of something. I have, Your Majesty. Well? Uh, your Majesty, I, uh, I suggest then that, that all the newborn Hebrew boy babies be put to death. Ladies, 
please. His Majesty, great and mighty King of Upper and Lower Egypt, Lord of all peoples and Son of the Gods, enters. Bow the knee. Long live the King! Now, you are all midwives. From this moment on, you will destroy all boy babies born of Hebrew women. Disobedience to this command will be punished by death. I'm very much disappointed in you midwives, all of you. I ordered you to kill all Hebrew boy babies. You disobeyed me. You haven't killed any. None of you have. Why? Why? But, but, Your Majesty, the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're healthier and are delivered ere we midwives come in unto Oh, all them. right, all right, all right. I'll accept that excuse, but get out, get out, get out. Time passed. Still, the Hebrews continue to increase and multiply and become stronger. We've got to stop them. Stop them, do you hear? But how, Your Majesty? I've decided to have every boy baby killed. We tried that, Your Majesty, remember? <laughs> the midwives wouldn't cooperate. No, 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 of course not. The midwives are themselves Hebrews. They fear the Hebrew God. Uh, I'm going to issue a proclamation that will place the responsibility of killing. His Majesty, King of Upper and Lower Egypt, Son of the Gods, Sustainer of Mankind, Lord of the Nile and Ruler of the Universe, orders that every boy baby born to the women of Israel be cast into the River Nile. All Egyptians, male and female, young and old, are charged with this responsibility. So be it. continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. The best part of heaven might well be the praise Or the honors bestowed at the end of the race The best part of heaven will be mercy and grace That we'll know when we see Jesus' face
Pastor Perez. Well, hi, Hannah. Why are you sitting here in an empty church? Oh, I, I love to listen to Mrs. Peterson practice the organ. So soothing. And what are you doing here on a warm Wednesday afternoon? I wanted to ask you a question about last week's sermon. Okay. You said that prayer is really important, right? Right. Well, if God knows everything about us and knows exactly what we need... Why do we need to pray? Wow, Hannah, I am proud of you. You really listened to my sermon. I'll bet you're thinking about the text I read in Matthew that says that God sends rain on both the just and the unjust, those who love him and those who don't. The just pray, the unjust don't. But both receive the gift of rain. So if God is going to do things for us anyway, why ask him for stuff? It would be like me saying to my mom, please give me breakfast. She's going to fix me breakfast whether I ask for it or not because she loves me. Exactly. Your mom and God act out of love and love doesn't require anything of the other person. So maybe asking God for things isn't how we should always pray. What do you do when your mom fixes you a delicious breakfast? I say, hey, thanks, mom. Great oatmeal. And? And that's what I should say to God. Thank you for your blessing. Now you're on the right track, Hannah. Our prayers should reflect our gratitude for the many blessings God has given us even when we don't ask for them. Sometimes we get so busy wishing for things we don't have that we forget to thank God for the many blessings we've already received. The next time I pray, I'm going to do a lot more thanking and a lot less asking. And I'm going to thank God for young people who actually listen in church. That's a real blessing. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. and girls, this is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Today's story is Caught in His Own Trap. All day long, Brian thought about those cookies. When he looked at the problems in his second grade arithmetic book, he seemed to be counting cookies instead of adding numbers. The stories in his reader made him think of the smell of cookies in the oven instead of the sights and sounds mentioned in the stories. Mother had started baking the cookies while Brian and his sister ate breakfast. She told them they could have some for their after-school lunch with a glass of milk. By lunchtime, Brian was sure he couldn't wait much longer to get home and taste some of those cookies. Several thoughts chased themselves through Brian's mind during the afternoon. I'll run home right after school and get some cookies. But conscience whispered, Mother said to wait for sister. Always wait for sister. Don't come home alone. But this is special. Mother won't care. I can take care of myself. Conscience. Sister has the key, and Mother said to wait for her. I can get through a window. The kitchen window is usually left partly open. Conscience. Climbing through the window is dangerous. Mother said so. But I can't wait a whole hour for Sister's room to get out. Besides, Sister is a slowpoke. Conscience. Mother has said many times that it is not good to eat between meals. A light lunch after school with sister is another meal. And cookies are a special treat for only once in a while. Oh, I'll drink some milk with the cookies. It won't hurt if I have my treat an hour early. 
So by the time the second grade room was dismissed, Brian had convinced himself that he had to go on home without waiting for the sixth graders, including sister, to be dismissed. Brian slipped from the room and ran from the school grounds before his teacher could miss him. He knew she would try to keep him with the other children who always waited for older brothers or sisters. Brian ran home so fast he seemed to have wings on his feet. He couldn't help thinking how much faster it was without sister poking along. The house was on a hill at the edge of town, about a mile from the school. By the time Brian had run most of the way to the foot of the hill, he was already tired. But he puffed up the hill as fast as his legs could carry him. He dashed across the porch to the front door, forgetting for the moment that it was locked. When he found that he couldn't get in the door, he slumped into the porch swing to catch his breath. Soon, Brian recovered his wind. He walked around to the back of the house where he was sure a window would be partly open. Sure enough, one of the kitchen windows was open at the top. Brian stretched to reach the bottom window and managed to get his fingers under it. He pushed up and the window moved a little. It was free. Now all he would have to do was to climb up on something, push up the window, and crawl into the kitchen. Then he could have the yummy chocolate chip cookies. Brian scurried around behind the garage. There he spied an old apple box. Too bad the garage was locked. There was a good stepladder in there. Oh well, the old box would do. He carried the box to the house and set it on the end under the window. Then he tried to clamber up on the box. It was old and wobbly and at first he couldn't get on it. He turned the box so that it leaned against the house. He took hold of the windowsill with both hands and managed to pull himself up so that he was standing on the box. He could see the cookies. Two plates of them, one for him and one for sister, were on the table near the window. Now he wondered how to get the window open wide enough and keep it open long enough to crawl through. This window, like the others in the house, had to be propped up with something to keep it open. The top section opened only a few inches when it was not locked. Brian stood on the shaky box and pushed up on the bottom window. It moved quite easily. He could smell the cookies now. Oh, how delicious they would be. He tried to hold the window up with one hand while he struggled to get one knee on the sill, but that stubborn window wouldn't stay up. Too bad he didn't have a stick, but to get one now would mean all the trouble of getting down from the box and climbing up again. Finally, Brian succeeded in getting one elbow on the sill so that his arm propped the window open. He grasped the inside of the sill with his other hand and gave a mighty push on the box with both feet. His body lurched upward so that his head and one shoulder went through the opening. Maybe he could make it, he thought. But the push on the box caused it to tumble on its side and the motion of Brian's body twisted his arm holding the window. Down came the window across Brian's shoulders. Help! Help! Brian screamed. But no one heard him. Sister was still at school and the nearest neighbor was across a field on another small hill. Brian kicked his toes against the side of the house. He dug his fingernails into the windowsill, but he could not move. He was caught like a mouse in a trap. When sister's room was dismissed, she looked for Brian. Not being able to find him, she went to his teacher. Where is Brian, she asked. Oh, I don't know, the teacher answered. I missed him, but I suppose he went home with some of the other children. I haven't seen him since our room was dismissed. He wouldn't go with anyone else, sister said. He always waits for me. Mother told him to. Sister and the teacher looked all around the school. They looked by the sandbox and the small swings and teeter-totters where the younger children usually played. They looked by the ball field with some of the older boys where they were playing 500 while they waited for rides home. 
They looked in each of the classrooms and the hallways. They looked everywhere they could think of, even among the shrubs by the flagpole. But Brian was not there. Finally, Sister said, he must have gone home by himself. I don't know why he would, but I guess that is what he did. She gathered up her books, lunchbox, and sweater and started home. Sister hurried up the hill and into the yard. Brian! Brian! Are you home? She called between puffs. No answer came. She was really worried now. She took the key from her little purse and opened the front door. A strange scratching sound came from the back part of the house. Sister cautiously walked toward the kitchen. What a sight met her eyes as she came to the kitchen door. Directly across the room in the back window was a pale face and one feebly dangling arm. A little mouth was trying to call for help, and the toes of two small shoes were faintly scratching on the outside of the house. Sister rushed across the room. She took hold of Brian's arm with one hand and lifted the window with the other. Then she let Brian fall to the ground as gently as possible. She ran out the door and around to the side of the house where Brian lay gasping for breath. Oh, Brian, Brian, sister was crying now. What if I hadn't come? Oh, Brian. A weak little cry sounded from a sad little boy as he began to recover from a hard lesson on the hazards of disobedience. The story you've heard today was first published as part of the Vacation Bible School program in the book God's World by the Review and Herald Publishing Association and the General Conference Sabbath School Department. If you are interested in any other products published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I heard about Mount Old
So let the children come. Please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Life Talk Radio at lifetalk.net.